Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word can go to the deepest part of our hearts. Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you. Speak through me today and touch the heart of your people. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Tomorrow night is going to be awesome. Amen. It's going to be a... It's going to be a wonderful drama production here, uh, put together by our Creative Heart Ministry, which is, uh, amen, our drama, our dance, and our uh, choir working together to put together this production. Uh, It's a contemporary play uh, that seek to apply the message of, uh, of Christmas into the contemporary world. I think it's really a powerful, not just for us to come and enjoy, uh, art is obviously a gift of God to us, but also it's a wonderful opportunity to bring friends, bring family, bring people who, maybe they won't come to Sunday service, but they might want to watch a play. Uh, you know, they wouldn't mind. So let's, let's invite people. Let's seize the opportunity. I think it will be a wonderful, a wonderful time. So let's come and enjoy it. And God bless you as you do so in Jesus' name. Last week, we started um, Christmas message, uh, and I titled the message, Your Response to Christmas. Your response, rather, to Christmas. Responding to Christmas. What is your response? We look at... Um, Matthew chapter 2, and we examine three different responses from that passage that we saw from three different people, or groups of people, you would say. The intellectual response of the religious leaders, well, they knew everything about Jesus, but never did anything about it. And we look at the hypocritical response of Herod, who pretended that he wanted to also come and worship but, you know, he had a, an agenda, but a very negative one indeed. And we examine the wise response, right, of the Magi who worship. They responded with a heartfelt worship, joy, humility, because they bowed. They gave out of their treasure, and they obeyed the voice of God. And that's the kind of response God is looking for from us. Amen. Uh, Today we're going to continue that and look at another set of people who responded. Uh, There are about four or so different kind of people who the message of the birth of Christ uh, just, you know, caused them to fear. And uh, interestingly, my wife was talking about that uh, during the uh, prayer session. You know, there were a number of people in the Bible that their response uh, was that of fear. 
either had the news of Jesus or had the experience of it. You know, so we're going to look at that because a lot of people today still respond to Jesus from a fear standpoint. And the message today is fear not. Jesus has not come to scare us. Anytime there is fear in response to Jesus, it's because there is a lie. Hallelujah. Uh, there's a lie. Because the enemy wants to stop what he has come to do. And fear tends to drive people away from God's purpose for their life. Uh, if your response is fear, you need to know that there's a lie in there that you have believed. But I'm believing that God is breaking that yoke of fear in your life this season. In the mighty name of Jesus. So I'm going to take a look at three of them briefly, and we're going to continue in the message. The first person was uh, Mary himself, herself rather. So in Luke chapter 1, uh, we'll see the angel came to Mary to announce. And it's understandable that Mary's uh, first response was fear. You know, from you know, this, this passage of Scripture, when the, you know, when in verse 29, actually, if you go back a little bit, the angel went to her and said, greetings to you. You are highly favored. You know, the Lord is with you. Mary was troubled at his words and was wondering what kind of message, you know, is this. In verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You know, I'm sure in Mary's mind, that didn't look like favor. No, no, that didn't look like favor. That's why she was afraid. She was afraid that this is, this is too much for me. This is too radical. This is too, this is unheard of. This, this is about to change my life in a way that I didn't plan for, I didn't expect. I'm not even sure I can handle all these things. But the angel said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. How many times does God come to us with a message of favor, with an intent to favor us, and our response is fair? Our response is that of running away. Our response is that of, you know what, I, I don't think I can handle this. I don't think I can take what God is doing to me. You know, sometimes it looks like it's about to change everything we know around us completely, you know, but it's because you found favor. Because God loves you, it's because God has a plan for you, it's because God has a purpose, it's because God's plan and purpose for your life is being revealed. And sometimes when God's plan and purpose is being revealed, it can make us uncomfortable. It can shift things the way we know it. You know, so Mary understandably responded with fear. And the angel said, do not be afraid. So I'm here to announce to someone today, maybe God is doing something in your life. Maybe you have no way of explaining it. Maybe it looks like it's changing things. Things are rumbling. Things are really all over the place. You are wondering, what is God doing to me? What is God doing to my life? What is God doing to my family? My message for you today is do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Maybe you need to help your neighbor and say, do not be afraid. I believe you have found favor with God. Hallelujah. Don't tell them they are going to conceive. Don't, 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 don't go to the next one. 
Maybe some people need to conceive. So if you, if you find someone that needs to conceive, tell them they need to. They will conceive. Amen. Hallelujah. The next person that responded with fear was Joseph. Of course, he hit Joseph hard. Things was about to completely change for him. His plan for his life, for his girlfriend. I mean, I'm sure he you know, wanted to marry this wonderful, beautiful girl. You know, they get married, go for their honeymoon. They plan, when are we going to have a family? You know, all these things. Then all of a sudden, everything changes. I mean, of, of course, he doesn't even know how to handle it. He doesn't know how to handle it. But in verse 20, Mark chapter 1, I mean, Matthew chapter 1. In fact, if you go to verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to the public, public to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I mean, sometimes faithfulness is not even enough to do the will of God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because he was faithful, because he was not a reckless person. If Joseph was reckless, oh, yeah, that's fine. Because he was such a faithful person, he said, I can't do this. I don't believe this is God. I don't believe God is in this. This is, this is a mess. This is totally, how do I even tell everybody? My friends will think I'm crazy, that I'm still going along with this. This is about to mess things up. Let me just do it quietly. But in verse 20, but after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. You know, the reason why the angel was addressing fear was because the motivating factor in their life at that time was fear. Fear was driving them away from the will of God. Fear was driving Joseph away from embracing God's plan. Now, we found out 2,000 years later he was born for this, right? He was selected for this, and he was selected for a reason. He was selected. This is his purpose. This is what he was supposed to do. This was supposed to be. God marked him for this, but because of fear, he was running away. He was about to abandon God's plan, and the angel said, do not be afraid. Maybe there's someone here, God's plan for you is so overwhelming. You don't think you can take it. You don't think you can handle it. It's about to change things, about to append things the way you know. I believe God is speaking to you today. Do not be afraid. Praise the name of Jesus. Then there's another group of people. They were shepherds. And we can find that in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping over, over their flocks at night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I mean, they were terrified with no reason, right? There's no, you know, but, you know, and some of us are like that, just a fear about Jesus for no reason, just really just terrifies us. You know, they were afraid. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. 
that will cause great joy for all the people. Obviously, it didn't appear like good news. That's why they were afraid. Obviously, the angel didn't appear that he was bringing something that will cause great joy. Obviously, if they, if they appear like that, if everything appears like good news, we know how good news appear, right? It's an email say good news, right? Congratulations, right? You know, the email will say congratulations, you've been selected, or this, or that. You know, some of them are fake. You may, but some of them, you are, you are so happy you open the email, they want to get your money. They say, oh, you just click this link and pay $200. They say, you know, forget about it, right? So obviously, this didn't come like a good news. That's why they were terrified. Sometimes good news don't come like a good news. Especially good news that comes from God, they don't always come like that. They come in a package that looks terrifying to us. They come in a package that looks like this is going to change me. This is going to mess things up. This is scary. This is difficult. And they were afraid. And it took an angel to assure them, do not be afraid. I think there are a number of people here. God is doing something in your life, and you are afraid. He's working in your life. He's doing something. He's refining you. He's changing you. He's moving. He's working on your behalf. But you are afraid. You are afraid of the future. You are afraid of where this is going to lead to. You are afraid of what God is doing. You are afraid of what Jesus is about to do. The God is speaking to you today. Do not be afraid. Whatever God is doing is good news. And whatever God is doing will cause you great joy. Praise the name of Jesus. And today, a lot of people still respond with fear when it comes to the idea of Jesus. There's still a lot of people in the world today. And we're going to examine some of the reasons why people respond to Jesus from fear. I mean, the Bible identifies a number of reasons why when people think about Jesus today, when people approach the subject of Jesus, when people really are confronted with Jesus, I mean the real Jesus, you know, because there's a lot of fake Jesuses out there, all right? When people are confronted with the real Jesus today, fear is their response. The Bible gives us a number of reasons. Number one, because their work is evil. Because their work is evil. John chapter 3 verse 19 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. A lot of time, people reject Jesus out of fear simply because there is evil in their lives. And you know, Jesus exposes evil. Jesus, anywhere he goes, evil can stand. Jesus is light, and light exposes darkness. In the same John chapter 1, the Bible says, the light shines in darkness, right? Darkness cannot comprehend it. Darkness can figure it out. Darkness is afraid. Darkness is scared, afraid of Jesus. 
And that's what is going on in the world all over. People are rejecting Jesus. They are afraid of him. Now, they like the idea of it. They like religion. All right? A lot of people, they like religion. They like words of Jesus that suit them, right? They like nice things. But when it comes to embracing Jesus himself, of course, they are afraid because their work is evil. Because there is evil going on in their life, in their arena, in the place. The reaction is to reject him. The reaction is to attack him out of fear because Jesus will expose the evil in their heart. And it's possible there are individuals here who have the same thing. You, you are hostile to him because you know he's not pleased with some things in your heart. You know he's going to expose it. The good thing about Jesus is he exposes it, but he saves. Hallelujah. He hasn't come to expose people. He has come to expose sin. Because he knows that sin is going to lead to destruction. Jesus is not the person that leads to destruction. Right? It is sin in your life. It is the evil in people's life that eventually will lead you to destruction. It is. If you're living a double life, if you're... You know, if you're hiding, if you're cheating on your wife or husband, if you're doing what you're not supposed to do, of course you have to be afraid of Jesus. You're afraid of an encounter with Jesus. If you're living a lie, there's every reason to be afraid. But that fear is, is not because Jesus will harm you. No, Jesus will expose you in order to save you. Praise the name of Jesus. Because Jesus knows... The sin, the evil, those, you know, eating things, they destroy ultimately. So the world rejects Jesus because it is evil. And people are rejecting the real Jesus today because their work is evil. Another another thing when you look at the ministry of Jesus is anytime you see a rejection of Jesus... It's because there is a demonic force at work. I also see that a lot in the Bible. In fact, a perfect story was in uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke Luke chapter 4, in verse 33. Luke chapter 4, verse 33 and 34. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon. This is one of the first... You know, things that happened when Jesus appeared in the power of the Spirit. After he left, you know, the wilderness, he read the Bible, and he went to the synagogue. The Bible says in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the only one of God. Hallelujah. Sometimes when there is a strong reaction against Jesus, it's because there is a demonic force at hand. In fact, there are times when even in the life of an individual, there is a strong reaction against Jesus because there is a demonic work going on in that person's life. Unknowingly. 
You know, this, this, this occurs quite, quite regularly. There is a strong reaction, you know, because demonic forces, they know the power of Jesus. Hallelujah. They know they can stand the power of Jesus. They must bow to the name of Jesus. And they respond with, out of that fear. You know, they use people, of course. They use, you know, they use individuals. Sometimes they use people in power, people in charge, to be, to be, to, to, to be so hostile against the name of Jesus because the demonic forces want, they want to take hold. Sometimes they want to take hold of people's life. They want to rule people's life. Sometimes they want to rule society. They want to rule places. And therefore, they cause a very strong negative reaction against the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And the third instance I'm going to share, which we apply to most of us here, is people are afraid because of the change that Jesus brings. Because of the change that Jesus brings. Because anytime Jesus steps into places, steps into a life, Jesus changes things. Hallelujah. He changes people's life, changes your reason for living, changes everything about you. And sometimes the change can be very radical. And people are resisting the change. Many of us will find ourselves in that instant, in that situation, where we are afraid of the change that Jesus brings, brings to our life. We like our life, we like the status quo, all right? We like it the way it is. We know it's not the best, but you don't want the change that Jesus brings. And I think a number of us today, God is calling us to truly surrender, and let him really bring that change. And let me tell you, that change is good for you. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, we're afraid of change because sometimes that change means personal loss. Right? Loss of life the way it is. Sometimes financial loss. Sometimes, you know, all kinds of loss. And I'm going to look at a few examples in the Bible that I really see, you know, that, that, that we can relate with. First is a group of people from a town called Gerasenes. All right? So in Mark chapter 5, there was, those of us who are familiar, Jesus came to this area and met a demonic man. This man was possessed with the devil, you know, with evil spirit. And the Bible said Jesus cast out the evil spirit, and the evil spirit went into a swine. All right? Uh, let, let's try and read. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. I'm reading from verse 14. And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Legion is, I mean, just one man being possessed by a legion. Legion means many, right? But when the demon confronted Jesus, he said, we are many. He said, we are so many. I can't even count how many of us here. And Jesus cast it out, 
Now, Jesus cast it out into a swine. And the swine, I mean, the demon must be so bad that the pig said, would rather die than be possessed. <laughs> Can you imagine? The d- pigs committed suicide <laughs> rather than being possessed by demons. I wonder what, what kind of demons were that. So the pig said, no, 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 we have to die. They rush and drown themselves instead of being filled by those evil spirits. And you look at what happened. So people came and they saw this violent man living in the tomb, now with his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave. Can you imagine? They said, look, this is too costly. This is too radical. This is going to change things. First of all, pigs are gone. I mean, so the people obviously who own the pigs, they are like, this is, you know, yeah, we are glad you are saved, but, you know, we lost our pigs. Sometimes you need to lose some pigs to be totally free. Are you ready to lose the pig? And sometimes we're afraid. We're afraid of losing things. So they were so afraid, and they actually begged Jesus, I think you should leave. We don't want you. That's sad. That they, everybody wanted Jesus. No, they begged him to leave. You know, they said, you know, this, this, is, this personal loss is too much. And unfortunately, a lot of people are like that. They want a little bit of Jesus, but they don't want too much of Jesus. Yeah, they want enough of Jesus to go to church on Sunday, but they don't want that much Jesus to revolutionize how they live on Monday. All right? That loss is too much. They want to keep their life. They want to keep certain aspects of their life. They want to keep certain things. They don't want to be too much. And they're saying, you know, well, you know, just this Jesus thing can take me up to the deep end, and I don't want to go that far. I'm a fan, but I don't want to be a follower. And a lot of people like that because... Following costs you. Yeah, being a fan is not, you know, it's not, it's not that costly. And so many fans we have today who are not followers of Jesus. So sometimes that change can mean loss. Now, but we see a guy here called Zacchaeus, the tax collector in Luke chapter 19. Who also encountered Jesus, all right? He encountered Jesus. Encountering Jesus meant, it means personal loss for him, but he embraced the loss. He embraced the loss because he knew this, is, this means a lot. So Zacchaeus had a life where he had a job, where he was able to, you know, do people, cheat people, you know, do all kinds of things to make a lot of money. I mean, he had this... You know, lifestyle, he was able to afford everything he wanted. Then he encountered Jesus. And when he encountered Jesus, look at what he said in verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I think that's wonderful. It was a personal loss to him, right? 
but it was a gain to a lot of people. I'm sure there was joy. A lot of people he has cheated now started receiving checks in the mail. I think we need some people to be saved so some people can get some money in the mail. Right? Yeah, some of us, our salvation is causing a lot of people to rejoice. Hallelujah. That's what happened to Zacchaeus. Now, it was a huge loss to him. Right? Half of his possession gone, and everybody he has cheated. He said, I'm not going to pay it back. I'm going to pay back four times. If I cheated you $1,000, I'm writing you a check of $4,000. So people started getting money in the mails, a lot in their whatever phone or whatever. They just started getting, you know, look at the accounts, Zele or whatever you call it. Or, and they're like, money is just coming in. What's going on? Zacchaeus is saved. I think we need more Zacchaeus to be saved. We need a few more Zacchaeus. Hallelujah. Then we have another man called Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle also had a huge personal loss, but he put it in the best way for us. Put it in the best way possible. Best way possible. That I really want us to embrace this Christmas season. He said... In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. In fact, I consider them garbage that I may gain Put it the best. That's the best. See, whatever you think you are losing that is causing you to be afraid, sometimes it's life the way you knew it or the way you imagine it. Sometimes it's a lifestyle. Sometimes it causes you to lose friends. You know, you lose things. Dignity sometimes. For Apostle Paul, it was dignity. He lost his position. He lost his position in the society. Obviously, lost a lot of money. You know, lost a lot of material things. He said, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. I want to let you know that knowing Christ Jesus is much more surpassing. Surpasses anything that you may lose because of that. In fact, those losses are always temporary. In fact, those losses are always imaginary. You see, the devil will make you to think you are losing a lot for the sake of Christ. But really, you are not losing. You are not losing. It makes you to think, oh, now you're not free anymore. Many of us, oh, I don't want to be that serious with God. Then I can't do anything I want to do anymore. I'm not free anymore. What you think is freedom now is really not freedom. You're not free. You're actually bound. You're actually being controlled by some demonic forces that you don't know. You're actually being led on a wrong road. True freedom comes in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 
true prosperity comes in Christ Jesus. You see, true fulfillment comes in Christ Jesus. You know, people will struggle with embracing Jesus all true and true, end up losing the most. End up losing the most. Because what you think you have really will not give you anything of value. You won't have fulfillment. You won't have joy. It reminds me of the old song we used to sing, Trust and Obey, right? Right? Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. May I tell you, that song is so true. See, the only way to truly be happy in Christ, to truly have fulfillment, to truly enjoy a life of peace, joy, happiness, confidence, assurance of present, assurance of future, is to be totally yielded to him. It's not to, it's not to be, still be able to control things. Jesus, I put, many of us like Jesus, we can control. You know, we like Jesus, we can put in a room here. Sorry. We like Jesus that we can just contain to a room. Say, Jesus, don't leave this room. When I need you, I'll call upon you. That's the kind of Jesus we want. Jesus that we put in a couch. And when we want him to talk, we just press a button. Jesus, can you talk now? And when we want him to keep quiet, say, Jesus, I don't need you to talk now. I, I need to go to some places. I know you're not going to like, but I don't want you to say anything. That's the kind of Jesus a lot of us want. But Jesus is not, that's not Jesus. The Bible tells us Jesus is either Lord of all or no Lord at all. He's not coming to be controlled, to be boxed around, to be pushed around. No, no, no. He's coming to take over. Hallelujah. And may I tell you, he's taking over your life. I want you to say, he's taking over my life. Say, he's taking over my life. I want you to say, Jesus, please take over. Hallelujah. Now, taking over can be scary. Ask Mary, ask Joseph, ask a lot of people, ask Apostle Paul, right? Ask Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Taking over can be scary, but taking over is the best thing you can ever do. It's the only way to peace, to joy, to assurance. Look at your life now. There's no, there's no deep happiness. There's no deep fulfillment. It's filled with fear. It's filled with strife. It's filled with struggle. You are always fighting inside of you. Fighting with God. You are always dealing with lack of assurance. You know why? Because you are not fully yielded. You're struggling with him. You know, you want Jesus that you can control. But my message to you today is, fear not. Let him take the wheel. Let him be in charge. 
You've been driving all this while, but you're getting nowhere. You've been driving all this while, and it's been accident upon accident, right? Trouble upon trouble. How about let him drive? How about let him drive? How about don't even tell him how to drive? You know, sometimes we give Jesus the key, we give him the steering wheel, right? But we tell him how to drive. We tell Jesus, oh, I think you're speeding. Jesus, oh, stop, go. How about relax and let him drive? Do you know something? The life that is totally yielded is really a life of peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is the kingdom of God. Instead of that infight, instead of you being bottled up, instead of you being angry, being afraid, some of you is always fight. Obedience is fight. For God to get you to do something, he has to fight you, fight you, fight you. After a while, the Holy Spirit is tired of fighting. (laughs) You know that? God is really trying. What it took him to get some of us to church today, wow. To wake up in the morning and just pray a few minutes, wow. You know, to just obey him in simple is wow, it's fight. Aren't you tired of that fight? Aren't you? Why don't you just say, Lord, I am no longer fearful. And you know why we fight? is because the enemy put fear. Fear of your life, the way it's going to look like. He paints a different picture. I want to let you know, God has a plan for you. And there's no way you can beat his plan for your life. His plan is better than what you can ever think, what you can never imagine. You know, whatever you can think is the beautiful plan you have for yourself, I want to let you know God's plan surpasses them all. But he has to drive. You have to let him be in charge. That's what Mary did. I'm, I'm sure Mary thought that was the end of her life. I mean, that's how is that going to happen? Now we read about Mary with adoration, right? We read about her, we are like, wow, thank you, Mary, for submitting yourself. Thank you, Joseph for going through what he took. Thank you, Paul the Apostle, for everything you did. Thank you. These were human beings like us. You know, sometimes we read about these people, we think they were made of a different sort, right? We think, oh, no, they were not real human beings. They were extra human beings. No, they were not. They were human like you and I. And I have no doubt, if we begin to follow after their footsteps, let him try. Let him try. I want to pray for some people today. This message resonates with you. Truly, truly resonates with you. Especially, you feel like this is about you. I would like to pray for you. I like all heads bowed. And I'd like you to just stand on your feet so I can just agree with you in faith. This resonates with you powerfully. As I'm speaking, you're like, wow. 
pastor is really talking about me. This is, an, this is a Holy Ghost conspiracy. It is because it is. It is because it is. God is saying, let me drive. God is saying, please surrender fully. Let me be in charge. You don't need to be afraid of how your life is going to change, how people are going to look at you, how everything around you, the way you think they should be arranged, how they are going to change and just, you don't need to be afraid. No, 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 no. The angel is telling you today, just like he told Mary, just like he told Joseph, just like he told the shepherd, do not be afraid. What God is about to do in your life, what God is about to do through you is great. It's powerful. It's wonderful. I, need a, I think a few people need to join them. I don't want you to struggle. Maybe you're still struggling. You're still saying, you know what, I don't want to. There are more people here that need to be on their feet right now. There are more people here who need to be on their feet. God is saying, let me drive. Don't be afraid of the future. Don't be afraid of what he's about to do for you. I'll give you 10 more seconds. 10 more seconds. He's saying, let me drive. He's saying, do not be afraid. He's saying, my son, do not be afraid. My son, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of the future. Do not be afraid of the change that Jesus brings. That change is going to lead to good. I want you to put your hands on your chest and say, Jesus, just tell him in your own words, I surrender to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. I am no longer afraid. I am no longer afraid. I invite you. Do whatever you need to do. Whatever you need to do. Change whatever you need to change. I give you the will. I give you the car key. Jesus, drive. Jesus, have your way in my life. Take control totally. Take charge totally. Invite him. Just pray that prayer sincerely. Pray it sincerely. Say, Jesus, just come. Come, have your way totally. I no longer want to fight. I no longer want to struggle. No, 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 no. No more fight. No more struggle. No more wrestling with you. I give you full control. I give you full control. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray for you just, just, just while you're standing, your hands on your chest. Lord, I thank you for this word. Thank you for giving me this word for your people. Holy Spirit, you know them. You know they need to hear this. And Lord, I thank you because you've touched their heart. You've convicted them to respond to your word today. Lord, I'm praying as they have responded, I hand them over to you. This is not a follow-up that anyone can do. This is a follow-up that you can do. I hand over every single one of them to you. I pray, Lord, you begin to follow them up. I pray that your plan and purpose for their lives shall stand. I come against every spirit of fear. 
Fear that is forcing them to the opposite direction of your plan for their life. Fear that is immobilizing them. Fear that is really trying to stop your plan and purpose for their life. I come against fear in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. And I'm praying, Lord, you will have your way. Let there be a change. Let there be a radical change. So that in months, years from now, they will look at their life and say, I am so glad. I am totally surrendered. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we put our hands together? And give Jesus the most.